for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 331 of Blue Harvest, where we're going to continue to hear me gush about stupid old Boba Fett. That's what I'm here to do. Just as it was with last week, Will will be joining us shortly, you know, getting the kids to bed and what have you. But we don't just have one special guest this week. No, we've got two from the Canto Bite Dispatch, one of my favorite Star Wars podcasts. <laughs> it's Brittany Brown and Emily Lind. Hello. Hello. How are you? Thanks for coming on, guys. I'm very excited to talk to you guys. Been a little while since y'all been on Blue Harvest. Yeah, we're always excited to come on and talk to you, Haas. Um, oh. Jesse was signaling for me to hand something to her. I got distracted. Um, so while we wait on Will, um, what did you guys, we'll get caught up with you guys. what did you think of the first episode? Brittany, why don't you let us know first? I thought it was really good. Nice. I like this whole flashback slash like dream sequence thing that Star Wars is getting now where we see Boba in the back to tank. That means, oh shit, we're going back in the past. <laughs> yeah. I just. I just feel so bad for this poor man's skin. You know, from seeing so much sun damage and just what that does to someone, like, I truly feel for the man. Well, clearly, whatever is in that flashback juice is doing him all right, because he looks way better in the present day. Yeah, and he has a tan now, too. It's, it's like a back-to-tank slash, like, tanning booth. <laughs> Maybe it's got, like, those, uh, what are those lights, um... That ladies put their hands in to dry their nails. What are those? <laughs> UV lights. UV lights. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Emily, what did you think of the first episode? I I liked it quite a bit. Um, like I wasn't quite sure where the show was going, but I enjoyed it, and I also just liked that you you could tell who directed it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like 
it just even the stuff where I'm like, maybe that's a little goofy. It was goofy in such a Rodriguez way. For sure. I enjoyed it. And I feel like even the Star Wars I like, so much of it looks the same. Like, I, like if I'm watching a Marvel movie, even even the Marvel movies I like, I really like. Like I, with maybe the exception of like the Taika Waititi Thor mm-hmm. movie, it could like most of them could be directed by anybody, and you just don't know. Yeah, but I, I totally get that. This, I was just watching it, and before the credit even roll, I'm like, oh, this is definitely one that Rodriguez directed. Like I knew he was directing some this season, but as soon as the episode I'm watching, I'm like, oh, that's him. Because mm-hmm. it's just his style all over with slightly less, like, violence and swearing. <laughs> yeah, but if they would have let him get away with that, I bet you would have. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I guess he did Spy Kids, too. So he, he Yeah, that's himself. true. You know, I, I think people always forget that, you know, when you think of Robert Rodriguez, you think of, like, you know, Desperado and um, From Dust Till Dawn. And, right? That was him? Yes. Right? I think so. Either way, um, you think about a certain type of movie and then totally forget that he did stuff like the Spy Kids movies and stuff. So, (laughs) yeah, I was really happy with it. You know, uh, I feel like the immediate reaction online, which is never a good thing to scope out, but uh, I can't help it, uh, wasn't great. But I feel like it got a little better as the day went on. Like when I woke up, it seemed like it had changed a little bit. And then... This newest episode, people seem bananas about, which is nice. Um, yeah. I, I, don't know, I get that. It, I, I sort of get people being like, oh, that first episode was slow. But also, I just think, can we just take our time and let a story develop before we start saying that nothing is happening? It's the first episode of a TV series. Yeah. And, you know, um, I don't mean this in a bad way by any means, but I think people were set up for a certain expectation with the first, like the season premieres of the Mandalorian, right? Mm -hmm. Like the very first episode ends with baby Yoda. The second episode of the, or the first episode of the second season ends with Boba Fett. There were like these big things that happened. Right. So I kind of feel like maybe people went in because the only examples we have of star Wars TV so far are from the Mandalorian kind of went in expecting something big like that to happen. (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, discounting the fact that a literal galactic supergroup was formed between <laughs> uh, between uh, Max Rebo and whichever one of those guys from the Cantina Band is still kicking around. I was so happy when we saw Max Rebo. I it just <laughs> delighted me to no end. I'm glad he's not dead. I wish Drupy McCool was there as well, but. I'll, I'll take what I can get. Maybe Droopy's just taking like a mental health hiatus from the band. He'll be back. That'll be the big reveal at the end of the season. <laughs> like that everything will be. be wrapping up and old Droopy will come walk waltzing in. He did that thing when like uh, like somebody will leave a band and like do their solo music. That's just a completely yeah. different genre or mm-hmm. he's like off reading poetry somewhere. Yeah, he's he's taken his uh, taken his shot at being a stand up comedian. You know, something totally off of what he's normally known for. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty, pretty happy with it. Like, I really like the first episode. I was definitely one of the people that didn't have a problem with it. But this second one, 
the one we're going to be talking about today. I I said it in the uh, Patreon reaction I did, and over the last two days, it hasn't changed. It's one of my favorite Star Wars things they've ever done. And, you know, years ago, even last year when they announced the show, if you told me, hey, man, a lot of this show is going to be Boba Fett hanging out in his pajamas, uh, like palling around with the Tusken Raiders, I wouldn't have believed you. And uh, th- I think that's part of the reason I like it so much is it's gone in such a direction that I didn't expect, right? Like that's not something I would have called. <laughs> um, so do either of you guys have any f- um, former knowledge of Steph Green, the lady who directed this episode? No. I don't think so. The name didn't ring a bell. So I believe she directed maybe an episode or two of Watchmen, which, I mean, that was a really good show, so it makes a lot of sense. But besides that, I, it wasn't a name that, you know, immediately jumped out to me. Um, Brittany, you think maybe she directed a Gossip Girl? That'd be kind of neat, huh? <laughs> it would really connect everything, like truly in my life. <laughs> <clears throat> Man, that Gossip Girl chat on you guys' show, let me tell you something. That was a whole new world for your buddy Halls. <laughs> you, you, you weren't watching Gossip Girl back in college? No, never really grabbed me back then. And, you know, I was just like, it was like listening to people speak in a foreign language that somehow I understood. Where I was like, oh, I don't know what the hell's going on, but I kind of know what's going on. So, um, did you guys, uh, Emily, we'll start with you with this one. Was there a standout moment from the first episode? Um, let me think. Cause I, I just enjoyed it overall, but, um, just the interactions with Fennec and Boba yeah. were very enjoyable. And I like how much of the episode is Fennec just wanting to kill people <laughs> and Boba being like, no, you can't kill everybody. Oh, and also uh, Jennifer Beals being just gorgeous and some sort of low level crime slash club owner. Awesome. Her uh, her bar looks really cool. It's the first time we've seen an establishment on Tatooine. That I was like, ah, that kind of looks neat to hang out in. What about you, like, Brittany? Yeah, oh, yeah, you go ahead. Sorry. sorry. I just get, like, you know it's sleazy, but it's not dirty, most likely cantina sleazy. Yeah, it seems a little sleazy. Maybe not the kind of sleazy where, you know, a bounty hunter gets shot and just left in the booth for someone to deal with. Or definitely not Jabba's Palace sleazy either. It's just like a couple steps above one of those. Um, what about you, Brittany? What What about the first episode? Anything stand out for you in particular? I just really liked Boba's development, you know, mm-hmm. from getting out of the Sarlacc to, you know, saving the Tusken Raiders and just, you know, forming this relationship with them, you know, especially like with the the water, the water jug things that were in the sand. I thought that was really interesting. You know, that's how, you know, they're able to drink water or like get some sort of fluids in them. And just the explanation of the Tuscan Raiders, because I feel like we don't know much about them, you know, other than, you know, in the prequels, Anakin killing all of them. And, you know, in the in New Hope, when Luke gets attacked by them, like I'm really liking how we're getting to know these people you know, these people 
and Boba is getting to know them too. And he's, you know, developing relationships with them, but then also seeing Boba develop, you know, how to be a crime Lord in Tatooine. So that's great. Yeah. And you know, something that, um, our buddy Robbo pointed out to me, shout out to Robbo. He pointed this out to me today is like, you know, previously when we saw Boba, it wasn't that he was a good guy, right? But he was a bounty hunter, which is a, like a legitimate profession in Star Wars. There's a guild, there's rules, you have to get a license. You know, this is all sort of stuff that's been established in Mandalorian, right? <laughs> and while he might occasionally get hired by someone in the criminal underworld, it wasn't necessarily like he himself was a criminal. So seeing him take on this new role has been kind of interesting and Part of the reason it appeals to me so much is he doesn't jump into the role and then immediately know exactly what to do, right? Like, it's not... Because that would have been real easy to write, where, like, okay, Boba's a crime lord now, and he just makes every right decision, knows exactly how to handle this, and everybody thinks he's a badass. Like, he's already getting quite a bit of pushback, and I like that. I like that they're sort of challenging him. And I know maybe this isn't... uh everybody's cup of tea but i like sort of the light-hearted tone that they're bringing to boba in certain parts of the show and and these first two episodes Mm -hmm. in the second episode we see him smile how good is that (laughs) yeah he's (laughs) got to show those suckers off man whoop (laughs) but but sort of like the like you said about the you know he doesn't instantly know how to be a crime lord i also like how much of that first episode is him getting the shit kicked out of him yeah yeah because people don't want there i know there's people who don't want that but those are the same people who want luke to pull down a star destroyer with the force you're right yeah like you know for years thinking about boba fett getting his own movie or you know tv show or something like that i never wanted him to be like the terminator you know some unstoppable opposing force and i kind of feel like maybe that was a pitfall of the sort of 90s storytelling when it came to boba fett Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know i loved that stuff at the time but i don't think that makes for nearly as interesting as a character than having him come up against some resistance and and things like that like you know, I think you got to do that. So for when he is badass, it makes it even more uh, appealing or like even greater. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> but I don't know. I So far, I'm very happy. It could go off the rails. There's five more episodes left. Uh, I don't think it will, though. At this point, I'm pretty confident in it. But you never know. You never know. Yeah, um, sometimes shows can take a sharp turn, but no, like this, I mean, this second episode was so good. There was, with with the exception of one small scene in the second episode that was g- glaring to me, I loved all the rest of it. Well, I mean, before we jump, I gotta know, you've you've teased me too much. What is the one scene? <laughs> the, 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 uh, Camion Fixer, is that his name? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think they... I think it is a neat little cameo type deal for people that know about the deleted scenes. If you don't know about the deleted scene, then it's just 
two people in a bar, you know? Um, it, it, I could see where it could have gone way worse, where they, like, constantly call each other by their names or have, like, a flashback scene that's just the deleted scene from A New Hope, how they they repurpose that shit somehow. Like, it could have been way worse. But I get yeah, it. I think, yeah, I think part of it was... Like before I even realized who they were supposed to be, you know, sometimes there's just there'll be an actor in in Star Wars or in other science fiction or like a historical piece where you just go, that guy is wrong. Like he's not necessarily bad. He's just there's something about him that screams modern day Earth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's sort of who that guy was to me. I'm like, I would, I, if I saw that guy on an episode of Succession, I wouldn't think he's a terrible actor, but I see him in Star Wars for five seconds and I'm like, what, this is not a Star Wars guy. This is an <laughs> Earth 21st century dude. Yeah. And especially he's doing that like stereotypical, I'm going to say something that's, so I'm going to stand up for myself and do what's right. And it just, it, it just didn't look great. And then you see Cammy and you know, you know, cause they're focusing on them for some reason. Cause when I first saw that, I'm like, Holy shit, that's Cammy from the deleted <laughs> scenes. And I'm thinking like, why is she here? Like, you know, they have her hair the same. It's like, they're purposely making like, this is fucking Cammy. So I, I didn't understand that even though it was cute, you know, the whole scene of him, you know, kicking ass and, you know, taking names and shit. Like I, I didn't really understand like the, let's put this character here from these deleted scenes so that the fans know that we're still thinking of Cammy, you know? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, everybody's, I, everybody's asking, where's Cammy? <laughs> I gotta be honest with you guys. So, you know, there was a tray. I don't know if it was a trailer or like a little Twitter teaser. Cause they did a lot of promotion for the show leading up to it, like little one minute videos and stuff. And, they showed them in one and they showed Boba walking into the building and immediately people were like, I think that's Cammy and Fixer. And I think that's Tashi station. And you should have heard the laughter in my house. I was like, you <laughs> fools, come on, come on guys. Like, there's yeah. no way <laughs> there's absolutely no way. And then when they showed up in this episode, I was still like, yeah, I guess it could be them. Maybe it's them. Maybe it's not. And then I waited for the credits that, uh, to see if they credited them. And sure enough, they were credited as Cammy and Fixer. And I was like, I'll be damned. They sure <laughs> have not been shopping for new clothes over the last nine years. I have to ask my brother or somebody who just sort of watches Star Wars. Uh -huh. If he noticed there was something hinky going on in that scene that he was supposed to understand. I wonder that too. Cause I'm so, it's hard for me to separate from that. Right. Like, you know, who I'll ask like my brother-in-law cause surely my brother-in-law is not like, man, they brought them deleted scene <laughs> fools back. I didn't know what the dang man, Cammy and fixer. <laughs> um, or, or even my dad, who likes Star Wars, but probably has never seen a deleted scene in Star Wars and definitely wouldn't read up on such a thing. So, yeah, it's hard for me to separate from that. Um, you know, in the realm of, like, what you could call, quote-unquote, unnecessary Star Wars cameos, I think, like... Uh, what's what's their fucking name? Doctor Evazan and Ponda Baba showing oh, up in Rogue right One. That's right where Vi went to. Yeah, that's the worst one. This yeah. one, it's like, yeah, it's a little, 
on the nose. It's a little ham-fisted, but it's so esoteric. You know what I mean? And that it, it might as well be Cammy and Fixer, I guess, in Tashi Station. But yeah. damn, for the last nine years, they haven't changed their outfits and they're still going to the same bar. I, know I mean, same. Like Except, like, of course, not during COVID and everything. But, yeah. You know what? I, I, I said this. I took this swipe at him. And then I sat here and I go, like, you dumb son of a bitch. That's the exact same shit you do. How are you going to hate on I still go to Chili's. Oh, can I tell you guys, quick aside. Mm-hmm. So, I have not been to a Chili's since we came to California in 2018. And we all went to Chili's, right? <clears throat> the time when poor Rusty Brown was getting smoking hot angry at them not bringing his food. I, th- I thought my dude was going to pop his top. <laughs> what a sweet little boy. But then we went to see Spider-Man uh, three or four weeks ago, like the weekend before Christmas. And we were going to a theater that we don't normally go to. It's one of those that has like fewer seats, bigger screen. We figured we could stay pretty separated from folks. Assigned seating and whatnot. And... We were going to go to dinner before, and instead of, like, looking what was around that theater, we said, oh, we'll just wing it. We'll get down there, and we'll find somewhere to eat. And we get down there, and there's not a whole lot. So I was like, you know what? Let's fucking go to Chili's. They look dead. Parking lot. I didn't even think they were open at first. This is how dead it is. (laughs) It was one of the worst dining experiences of my life. I got a hamburger that tasted like a hamburger helper sandwich oh oh god my my i'm ralph wiggum when lisa's like expressing her like hate for him and like my my heart is breaking for you wait what burger was this it was this not like that bacon burger because okay when you go to chili's you don't order off of the regular menu you do the three for ten because that's the only or three for 10.99 now trademark and everything like that's the only way you do the chilies is you do the three for ten and if i swear to god if you say that that's where you got that burger i will drive to that chilies <laughs> and i will i'll do something <laughs> well, all right well i don't so we didn't do the three for ten we're rookies when okay. it comes to chilies but what that's i fine that's fine i just got a, a standard bacon burger i didn't get some crazy Chili's burger with fajita meat or some shit on it. It was just a regular ass burger with bacon and it was foul. It was so bad. Ugh, I'm I think, so sorry. I think that was the nail in the coffin for Chili's for me. Yeah, that's okay. You know, like sometimes people love Chili's and sometimes people don't love Chili's. Like it's it's totally fine. It, it happens to everyone. But <laughs> I apologize. Like I I feel bad for your experience at Chili's. No, giving you all of these, you know, wonderful, beautiful memories of Rusty not being able to get his steak until the very last second. And even still enjoying that steak, even though he had to scarf that down because there was like five minutes left till the movie started. (laughs) Well, you know, part of the reason we went to that Chili's because I was like, you know, we went to Chili's with everybody in California and it was all right. It was pretty good. Let's just go to Chili's. Bad idea. Bad idea. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. That's that's always such a terrible thing when you have a bad food experience because food is great. Like everyone loves food. And when it goes bad, like you you don't know what to do with yourself. Like you start questioning everything. Like, am I okay? Like, 
you know, but then you have like another good meal, then it's fine. Well, it's hard to fuck up a burger. Like, yeah, okay, no, it's not it's like it's hard to make a bad burger. I've had plenty of mediocre burgers. Mm-hmm. I've had very few like actually bad hamburgers. This was really bad to the point where I'm a big fan of the to, to go box. Right. Get my my leftovers in a to go box. Then about two or three in the morning when I'm fucking stony baloney playing video games, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I got half a burger left in the fridge. Touchdown. Uh. I didn't. I just said, you guys keep it. She said, oh, do you want a box for that? And I said, "Mm, I'm all right. We're going to a movie. God. So, yeah, Chili's let us down hardcore. And the first thing I thought about was like, man, they're doing the Browns dirty here. They sure are. Yeah. So since Will hasn't hit me up yet, I mean, you you guys hear it. I'm, I'm fucking spinning the wheels trying to to uh, cover time waiting for Will to join with us before we really get into episode two. But, oh, my God, he just texted me. Hold on one second. For Will, we're going to have a good time. Sorry. Holy shit, I summoned him. Fucking Will's here, baby. What's up, buddy? Here I am. Hey, how are y'all? We're good. Hello. We were literally just about to start talking about episode two of Book of Boba Fett. Uh, you oh, know, good. We were catching up, seeing what they thought of the first episode, and I was like, well, we got to get to it eventually. So, buddy, we'll start with you. What did you think of episode two of Book of Boba Fett? Oh, it hit me right in the feels. It was exactly what I wanted. You know, I wanted to see his transformation from surviving the Sarlacc pit to where he was at, you know, when we see him in The Mandalorian. And that's exactly what you get. And it's uh, it's pretty mystic. Uh, mystical and uh, very vision quest uh, theme. And I I love that, you know, in the desert. It's awesome. You know, I think, I know it's a part of it's just me being selfish and wanting as much of Book of Boba Fett as I can get. But like, I do think the added runtime helped this episode, you know? Absolutely. Um, I, boy, did I love this episode. I couldn't be happier and once again, like you have kind of barely get Boba Fett in his armor in this episode, which is the thing that made me start liking Boba Fett when I was a kid. So the fact that they were able to give me Boba out of the armor for so long and I liked it as so, as much as I do kind of to me just shows how good it was, in my opinion. Um, Emily, overall, we'll get into the nitty gritty. What did you think of this episode? Uh, loved it. Like the the present day stuff was a lot of fun. We got lots of cool stuff there. Uh, I was excited to see like the huts and stuff, and the all of the Tuscan stuff was beautiful and cool. I liked I liked that they managed to have an episode that was funny, but also really touching and mm-hmm. nice, and just it made me. I love Tamora Morrison and I've liked Boba since they brought him back on the Mandalorian, but this episode, I really think I fell in love with him as a character. They, I, in my opinion, they have made nothing but right moves endearing Boba Fett to people who might not have liked him so much before or not even disliked him, but like, we're just sort of meh about Boba Fett. What about you, Brittany? What'd you think? Oh, this episode was a religious experience. Just 
going through, you know, you go in the beginning of the episode and you have the 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 drama with the twin huts, which it was exciting to see huts on TV or just seeing huts in general mm-hmm. again because we haven't seen huts in a long fucking time. And then we go to the dream sequence, you know, cue Boba Fett in the back to tank and you know some shit's going to go down. <laughs> and you see this, this beautiful, it, it it's like, po- it's literally like poetry. Just watching Boba, you know, create you know, more of a relationship with the Tusk Raiders, you know, learning how to fight that dream sequence of that lizard going up his nose into his brain. And then the fever dream, like it was, it was poetry. Like, I don't think I've ever watched like something star Wars and literally like gasp and say, Oh, this is beautiful. Like so much in my life. Like I felt like I was in church, like star Wars brought me to (laughs) church. Like I was really happy. And um, I, so, you know, my, my star Wars TV show sort of, ritual is i stay up late i record a reaction and then i go to bed and then the next day jesse and i watch it because she's a normal human being who has to sleep (laughs) on a normal schedule and get up for work the next day um but she said that she was fast asleep on tuesday night and that she was just awoken in the middle of the night hearing me go bro And and we'll get to the whole psychedelic vision walk that Boba went on in a second. But I got to be honest, when he was first presented with that lizard, I was like, oh, Boba's going to have a little lizard friend. <laughs> I, Dude, thought, I thought the same thing. I was <laughs> I so excited. I was like, yes, dude. Yeah. Fuck yeah, Boba and his little p- <laughs> lizard pal. And then like it, it all happened so fast in my head. I was like, wait a second. We didn't see that lizard in Mandalorian season two. What happens to that fucking lizard, man? <laughs> oh, God. And then it made me sad because I'm like, the lizard's going to die. <laughs> it's going to be a sad story. But then it went up his nose. And I'm like, okay, this is a little better. <laughs> My kid is playing Nintendo Switch watching this scene. Uh-huh. And he's like, what just happened? And I was like, oh, he ate it. He ate, he ate the lizard. Like, <laughs> and then he's watching it when the lizard comes back out. And he's like, that lizard came out of his nose. I was like, oh, sure did. Wow. You're right. <laughs> Absolutely did. <laughs> um, so let's let's sort of start at the beginning. Um, and Will, what did you think of the whole? Uh, what is the, the assassin of the hidden wind? What are they called? Whatever. Um, order of the the night night wind. Order of the night wind. Order order of the night wind. It sounds like me fucking farting in my sleep is what that sounds like. But <laughs> it sounds like some Skyrim shit. It sure does. What did you think about the whole scene with Boba Finnick, that guy, the the Rancor fake out? You know that whole thing. Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, the Rancor fake out was good. Uh, and then the meeting with the mayor was pretty good too. I like the mayor character. Um. He's pretty badass. You got to keep an eye out for him. He looks so cool. He and does. He's got, and he's very confident. By the way, his as someone who tried their damnedest to get real into Dune over the last couple of months, boy, that mayor has a Dune-ass name. Moog Shaid or something like that. I can't oh, yeah. even. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, I loved the scene of them dropping him, him in the rancor pit. Um, and I got to say for a second there, I really did think that uh, there was going to be a rancor in there. And I love the turnaround. Of... As the door got about halfway, I was like, there's nothing in there. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, but uh, 
for a second I was like, are they really? Maybe the Rancor did survive. Maybe he doesn't have to eat very often, like a crocodile. You're right, though. For a second there, I was like, "There's gonna is there a rancor in there?" <laughs> what did you think of this uh, sort of opening uh, part, Brittany? I thought it was fun because I was really hoping, like maybe you know, like sometimes people, you know, they want to adopt more animals. I'm thinking maybe they adopted another rancor. Like maybe they found some time and they went to like the rancor sanctuary and they're like, "Let's adopt a <laughs> rancor." <laughs> So I was really excited, but then they didn't have one. I'm like, yeah, that's that's probably really reasonable because I don't I don't think that uh, you know the that Bib Fortuna you know had time and effort to you know go adopt a rancor. So yeah, nah, nah, it didn't very seem like, much a showpiece. Yeah, it didn't seem like Bib Fortuna was getting a whole hell of a lot done. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I just like the idea of the mayor, apparently Boba and Fennec going to a rancor like uh, a sanctuary and then fostering one for a little bit and saying like, oh, is this rancor a good fit for does he have a taste for Gamorreans? I don't know. (laughs) What about you, Emily? What do you think about the sort of opening part of the modern day or present day stuff? I I, I like it again. I think the, the Fennec Boba stuff is so good. They're. I am and I'm sure because we're getting a lot of flashbacks, we'll sort of see how that develops. But them as just buddies mm-hmm. pleased me. And I thought the Rancor fake out was great. I, I got like you guys, I was very excited for like 30 seconds and being like, oh, my God, we're going to see a Rancor. And uh-huh. then much, much like the Hasro pulse thing, <laughs> I, we we did not we did not get a Rancor. But that's OK, because it's <laughs> funny as hell. Yeah, clearly, just, like screwing with this dude. Clearly, John Favreau didn't back the Rancor either. <laughs> Neither did uh, millions of other people. So then, right there's the scene where they're sort of talking shit to the mayor. You get the, I think, a, a really cool, also sort of action movie cheesy line where the the mayor's like, "Who are you?" And Boba Fett's like, "You damn well know who you know who I am, motherfucking Boba Fett." Um, also, though, before that, we get my oh. favorite new character in Star Wars, which is when they first walk into the mayor's office and the receptionist is like, Boba Fett, uh, do, you, do you have an appointment? Yes. Or... I loved that part. It reminded me of, and you actually posted a gif of it on Twitter, Emily, of the David Spade SNL character um, that was yeah, the, the sort bitchy of... receptionist. Yeah. Uh, I was it, I thought it was really good. Um, and then he's like, uh, you know, they talk shit. The mayor looks incredible. What an incredible. <laughs> I have a feeling it's probably a mix of CG and practical, but it's done so well. It's right on. Um, yeah. And then he's like, well, you know, you should go back to that bar you were at in the first episode. And Boba's like, well, don't mind if I do. Have you seen the lady that works there? I'm on my way. (laughs) And she starts talking about these twins, right? Oh, the twins want to lay claim to their cousin's territory. And I was like, oh, shit. I don't think they're going to show them, but they're sort of like referencing some other huts here. And then the drums start. And I'm like, nah. We're still not going to see him, right? It's probably just going to be like an emissary or something. And I didn't believe it was real until those two <laughs> huts on the same pallet turned the corner. And I was 
blown away. You know, I look, would it have been cool for them to make two practical huts Return of the Jedi style again? Absolutely. But they looked pretty good for CG. That's exactly what I was going to say. That That's the best looking hut I've seen since Return of the Jedi. Oh, by the far. Hands down. By far. Way. And like, there's little details because you know, like, you can't really see it super well in Return of the Jedi, but like, uh, Jabba's got like a tattoo on his arm and stuff. And oh, the this one, guy has his on his chin. Yeah, the one guy has one on his chin, and he's like using the little rodent thing to wipe himself off. It was, it was so good. And it, there's even little details like the guys, if you watch the guys that are holding their litter up, one of them like his legs buckle at one point, and then he like straightens back up real quick. <laughs> Yeah, they were really struggling. Yeah, <laughs> what do you think? I love the I love the sister's fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how she like talks behind it to her brother and stuff. Uh, at first, I kind of thought maybe they were conjoined, like they were some like conjoined. I, but I think they just hang out together. Maybe they are, but I couldn't get a a, a sense of that. Um, maybe, maybe nobody dares to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also like the effect where everything stopped as soon as they could hear the drums was pretty neat. Yes, where everybody was like, oh shit. And it just shows you like the level of respect that the typical ruler of this area gets. That Boba Fett I don't even has think not respect is the, I think it's fear. Well, yeah. Like that and that's how that's you know, that's exactly Boba Fett ruled through fear. Or job. I think all all yeah, sorry. Jabba, I think all huts rule through fear, and I think that's why they're that scared of the twins on the the dais, when, the mobile dais. When uh, when she mentions the twin to Boba Fett, and he's like, "The twins, they're too preoccupied with the debauchery on now Hutta or whatever it is." He says, yeah. "I what the fuck is going on there? The debauch? <laughs> no, thank you. You guys could keep that to yourself. <laughs> I ain't trying to get involved in all of that." Um. Emily, what do you think of the huts in general? Anything you didn't cover with the hut stuff? No, no I would just uh, when they first when she first started talking. When you, you know you hear that they're like busy on New Hotters and like, oh my, are we gonna get some huts? And in fact, I was because I was like, because Chris, Chris, our friend Chris Resch, had had told me like he had already seen it, but he wanted my thoughts on it. So I was sort of like doing a live mm-hmm. reaction just to him. And so there was just a series of texts that was, are we about to get a hut? We're not going to get a hut, right? Oh, my God, we get a hut. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought they looked great. I, You know, maybe if it were on a big movie theater screen, that CG would bother me still. But mm. watching on the TV, I thought it looked great. They were funny. They were cool. They were still, like, a little bit scary. I'm curious as to who they have to get permission from to kill them. Yes, I have a theory about that. You guys want to hear? Yes. Sure. I think that since those twins are, you know, apparently the head of one of the crime families, I think they have to get the permission of all the other families to go Mm. after those huts. And I kind of think the scene we see in them in the trailer with all of the other families together with Boba and Finnick at the table, I think he's going to be he's going to propose like we should get rid of them. The huts are bad may, for business. It may be like in any mafia family where you have to get permission to kill somebody. Yeah, that's kind of what true. I think's going on. Uh, Brittany, what'd you think? 
well, I was just excited, you know, hearing the drums, thinking, oh, shit, we're going to get huts. We're getting huts. And then, like, initially seeing them, I was a little disappointed because I was really hoping for live effects. Mm-hmm. Like, I was really hoping to see some, like, beautiful animatronic, big, juicy cool. huts. But... <laughs> I mean, what we got was fine. Um, I am looking at a picture of the huts, though. They aren't conjoined. You can see that bigger hut, his tail is wrapped around her on the uh, left side, okay. and her tail is wrapped around him on the right side. But I thought they were fine, but I thought it was really cool to see huts again, even though I was slightly disappointed that like they weren't like practical effects. And it's still it's so hard to do like CGI for huts. Like that's a lot of work. And it's really hard to perfect that kind of work, but I think they did a good job. They looked like the huts from the Clone Wars, because you see like the mm-hmm. the tattoos on the face and everything. And I thought that was really clever, but I'm really curious to see, you know, they were just like, Okay, yeah, we'll go. And that does not mean they're going to go. Like, no. They, they're well, they're pulling some shit behind the scenes. The look that that uh, Wookiee gives Boba there is Ooh. a, I'm going to come back later and kick your ass look. Oh, oh we have to about talk about that big boy eyes. yet. We have oh, I love him. got to talk no, about the, the big boy. Is he from the comics? Yes. Yeah. So, okay. <sighs> I'll be honest with you guys. A little, a little secret time with you and the, the listeners Somebody told me about this guy showing up in the show a few months ago. And I was like, "Mm, I think you're fucking with me and didn't really think about it again. And when he showed up, that is when Jesse heard me go, bro, in the middle of the night. (laughs) I could not be. So I'll be 100 with all you guys. Can't pronounce his name. He's from the comics. He made his debut in... Darth Vader number one from 2015. Uh, He and Boba, you know, have history together from the comics. And then he teamed up with Afra, sort of after that. He's been around quite a bit. His name is Black Chrysantan. I don't know. Something like that. That's the first time I've attempted to say it since I've learned how to spell it over the last couple of days. Could not be happier with how they pulled off that costume, though. Because other Wookiees other than Chewbacca haven't always looked the greatest, right? Like That's exactly what I was going to say. He's not an, a Chewbacca clone. He's definitely a Wookiee, but there's something unique about him. You know, his facial structure and his eyes and everything. Yeah, and just his general build. build. He's, a, he's like a, a fucking, he's a big boy. He's um, a mountain. He's and, a mountain Wookiee. And the fact that he's got like his gold gladiator shoulder pads and stuff on I thought was really cool and I know that it's gonna be him versus Boba at some point down here now I mean like I'm just assuming I don't mean that like Mm -hmm. I know this for a fact but I know that's where it's headed and for once I'm actually torn that like oh man Boba's gonna have to beat this dude I do have the slightest slightest hope in the back of my head that maybe like Boba gets that Wookiee guy to come over to his side. And now Boba's got his Wookiee buddy to hang out with. I know that's not going to happen, but boy, would I be stoked with that? And let me say an instant buy when the hot toy gets put up. <laughs> See, I think that, but then I think about how the Chewbacca hot toy looks and I go, okay, maybe not. Yeah. You know, that is a tough collectible for them to nail. Chewie of my favorite Star Wars toy company, Hot Toys, has not been able to 100% nail a Chewie yet. So we'll see. 
I'm hoping maybe they can <coughs> pull this guy off a little better. What did you think of him, Brittany? Oh, man, I saw him and I was like, whoa, like you should have seen Carlos's face. Man. He was stoked <laughs> as hell. He was a guy. He was such a big boy. He's you know, it, it's like when you have a litter of uh, or puppies see like juicy, like black lab. Like, that's what I thought when I saw him. I'm like, oh, man, like we're getting different variants of Wookiees. Like, I love this. But yeah, he was I was really hoping that no one would kill him. Like when Fennec like pointed her gun at him, I'm like, don't don't do anything <laughs> to him yet. I want to see him in action. Like, I loved him, even though he was just so big and scary because you see his those eyes and those eyes are not very nice, but no, oh, no, the beautiful, the eye acting, whoever's in that suit is great. I don't think it's the same guy from, you know, the sequel trilogy that did Chewy, but whoever they got to be in that suit did some hella acting with his eyes in that scene. What did you think, Emily? I, I was not expecting like the odds to have a, giant scary dark-haired wookie with them mm -hmm. and because because i don't I, I don't read the comics at all so this isn't a character i knew so i'm just like well that was a cool badass guy and i'm glad he's not dead and i you can you know like we said like you can tell he's coming back like even mm -hmm. not knowing he's from the comics that's not a character you do for 30 seconds but i'm i'm excited to see more of him and it could be a very very cool fight I really hope the one thing I hope is that we hear someone say his name in this this fucking show, man, just so I know <laughs> how to say it. Like, that's all I ask, guys. Just once have somebody say it. <clears throat> um. So after that whole scene, which that alone would have left me delighted with the episode, Boba takes it back to his house and gets in his flashback juice. And that's the rest of the episode. The rest of the episode is spent in flashback, which... Once again, we're sort of talking about this earlier. Might have disappointed me if someone had told me that ahead of time. But I couldn't have enjoyed the flashback stuff more. There was never a part during this flashback stuff where I was like, all right, all right, get back to the big Wookiee and stuff. Like, I was yeah. fully invested and enthralled. Um, so but you also, like, so... We like, is anybody else worried about Boba? Because this doesn't just seem like he got beaten up and needs to be in the back to tank. No, I think there's something wrong with back him. Back tank is is for serious injuries. So it seems like I don't want I don't want him to have like Star Wars cancer or something. I'll be very sad. He's got yeah, something, I'm, I think. I'm worried about him too because you saw him that first episode when they get in the fight, and then I almost feel like he just like immediately drops and he's you know telling the Gamorreans like you know take me to the back to like mm -hmm. I I feel like there's something that happened to him and I'm going to be very sad when I find out that he does have star Wars cancer or something like that's horrible, man. I hope I just, I think at this point it's the only explanation. Like you could write off in the first episode, like uh, he got in a fight and his previous back to session wasn't finished or whatever. But the fact that like, he just goes on a stroll through town, talks a little shit and then has to get back in the, back to tank makes me wonder like yeah i, I think we are gonna find out that there's what if he's got like a star wars brain tumor oh gosh Will, oh. How would you do this and like the the trips in the back to tank are keeping him alive keeping him at bay but it's not curing it and what if uh 
what if his sister's got to show up to like do some sort of Geonosian brain surgery? Omega? Yeah. I want Omega so much. So it'd be so cool. I would be very happy. I would be very, very happy for Omega to show up. And there's only one thing that makes me wonder if it could be on the table or not. And that's the fact that Bad Batch is still going, right? Yeah. So, like, does that. I mean, I, there's. Let's just of... go ahead and assume the kid doesn't die. I think let's just please. Oh, no, no, no. Well, yeah. Let's no. just assume that she's around. I think Omega dying in Bad Batch is way outside the realm of possibility. That would be so terrible. That would break my heart. I don't think I would ever recover from that. <laughs> I would need a break from Star Wars. I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. But it also, like, you know, sometimes Star Wars does this thing where, like, you know, a char- well, we know this character shows up here. So we got to make sure things lead in that direction. Right. And, like, I just wonder if that would mean it would be harder or less likely for Omega to show up, but I don't know. I mean, I, the last person I would have expected to show up in this was that Wookiee guy from the comics. Or a couple of huts. Gangster oh. Lords. I, I mean, I won't say that I knew or that I, I was mean, 100% positive that huts were, were going to show up, but if there was ever a reason to have huts in a show in a star wars thing it, it would be this to me yeah this was the time and place um so this the whole sort of premise of this section of the flashbacks is there's this train that goes through this particular tuscan's tribe's territory occasionally and when it does it just slaughters some of the tuscans it just fires at them and Boba's like, nah, man, we, we can't just sit around. And I love that the Tuscan call the train the long speeder. I think that's mm-hmm. so great. Um, and, you know, there's like a whole sort of Western train heist and all that. But, you know, the, the whole core of it is Boba becoming more integrated and earning the trust of this Tuscan tribe, um, which I think is really Cool. What did you think of the flashback stuff in general, Will? Oh, I loved it. You know me; I like a good vision quest, a good, <laughs> a, a good trippy, uh, self-actualized realization. Uh, what I couldn't figure out, you know, there was the line where you have been a good guide. You know, let this be a guide for you. You know, he has the trip, and then he comes back, and I just wonder what what it guided him toward like what it helped him find like he, you know we got the imagery but i'm i'm not i don't solidly exactly know what I he was guided it. towards so i think it was very intentional right that in his sort of crazy psychedelic trip vision quest he a saw his dad's ship which he doesn't have anymore. And he saw himself in the Sarlacc in his armor, which he doesn't have anymore. I think, because, you know, thus far, Boba doesn't seem all that concerned with getting his armor back. In the first episode, he tells that Rodian, like, yo, I could break us out. We'll be in at Anchorhead and off-world lickety-split. He's not like, I need to find my armor, then we'll get off. So I think maybe right. this is sort of his inspiration to... <clears throat> seek out his armor in his ship again. 
It also led him to that tree where he got his branch to make his gaffy stick, which makes me think that's sort of like a thing that all the Tuscans do. Like they Seems have to, like a rite of passage. Yeah. So I think, you know, you could, it could be something more like him trying to get his armor or his ship back, or it could be as simple as it was just his, what he needed to do to go find that wood to make his gaffy stick. What do you guys think, Emily and Brittany? I... I really loved all of this stuff. I love him getting to know the Tuscans more and the the training when they're they're teaching him to use the gaffy stick and he has the like the wooden practice one. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice little touch. I I loved and I know some people didn't like this that when he's teaching them how to use the speeder bikes, I thought that was funny. Like and I like that it's silly. Mm-hmm. Um look, we're we're a bunch of white people, so I, I'm i not going to necessarily say, like, I can't comment on how good of a job they do with this to somebody who is indigenous or is First Nations. Right. But for me watching this, it felt like they did some of the best stuff that Star Wars has done in, in broaching this. Mm-hmm. We've come a long way from, you know, their animals and I slaughter them like animals to to vote being like no this is this is your land right i i liked all that stuff um i liked the vision it was cool and different the tree was awesome looking and the whole last five minutes or so with them showing him how to make the gaffy stick when they're dressing him in the toscan wear which mirrors the really ridiculous like putting on the armor sequence from the first episode mm-hmm. i i liked that and then the the sort of war dance tribal thing they're all doing at the end mm-hmm. i just i like i can't i can't believe they're doing this in star wars this is awesome you know i think once again i totally agree with you about not being able to judge of how good of a job they did like sort of with the whole indigenous thing in it right but the fact that they chose to tell this story with Timora Morrison, who's Maori, yeah. which is, uh, you know, who are indigenous to New Zealand, like, I think that's kind of a stroke of de- genius in a way. Like, to. I mean, that's the train scene is ripped right from history, you, you know. Right. People right. shooting the indigenous from the train. Like, that's. That happened, you know. Right. But, like, the. The. To. <clears throat> Because, you know, it could have been really easy just to bring him in and or not even bring him in. Just have someone in the costume the whole time and have him dub the voiceover and not take into account any of who Timora is as a person. But for them right. to seemingly acknowledge that, I was like really impressed by that. Cool. <clears throat> um, what about you, Brittany? What do you think about end. Oh, that's super awesome. I'm is. just was saying the dance is, it felt Star Warsy to me. I liked it. Like reminded me of kind of the Ewoks, not, you know, exactly, but like a celebratory ritual dance. I liked it too. And I liked how like he just fell in step with it. Like it was, I, it gave me goosebumps to be honest, that end scene with them all around the fire. Right. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brittany. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. This was a really exciting episode. Like, I understand, too, because I couldn't stop thinking about how beautiful that last five minutes of this episode was. You know, Mm -hmm. him putting on the new gear and, you know, 
him, you know, fixing up the the gaffy stick and then that beautiful ceremony. Like that was just something that, you know, you see like mythology, you see, you know, like little sparks of like history and it it was so beautiful to watch. And I didn't think that Star Wars, you know, was capable of you know, adding something like this, you know, I think Emily, you said before, you know, like you, we went from, you know, speaking about the Tuscan Raiders to, you know, saying like, I saw them like animals, you know, to, you know, seeing them live and seeing them, you know, take claim to, you know, land that belongs to them. Like, I think that's so beautiful. And I think that's something like, so like modern and something that is really good to see. And I still can't believe how beautiful that ceremony was, you know, like him stepping and, you know, at first, you know, getting used to, but him just, you see his emotion, you see his face, you know, with all the movements that they're all making together. It was gorgeous. Yeah. And the scene where the little kid Tuscan comes at, like after he gets his robes put on <laughs> the little kid Tuscan comes and takes him to the person that's going to help him craft his uh, gaffy stick. There's like if you watch that little kid like starts rubbing his uh, his robes and nodding like man this shit is nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like that. And Emily, you brought up the scene where he's training them to use the speeder bikes. I had a big dumb grin on my face the whole time. I, <laughs> it was fun. It's incomprehensible why people don't like that scene to me. Like even I love him like being like like a bantha. <laughs> and smiling and stuff. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Um, who doesn't like a good training montage? Right. Yeah. And my favorite bit of the training montage is when the chieftain is on the back of the bike for him, and he's like, "No, this is not how fast the train goes. Do you want to see how fast the train goes?" And then, like he uh, he puts the speeder bike into super speed. I thought the actual train assault scene where they're they're going up against the train train was so well done so well done makes the train heist and solo pale in comparison to what's going on in this and like it was action-packed there were funny moments like the one tuscan that like goes through the window and keeps poking their head up through the hatch like you'll see one of the Mm -hmm. bad guys and then they'll they'll disappear and the tuscan pokes their head out and then there's a one behind them doing the same thing. They'll disappear and the Tuscan pops out again. I thought that mm. shit was funny. I love the droid that drives the train. I'm obsessed with that little guy for some reason. <laughs> and then he just fails. I love how he just throws himself out the window. He's yeah. like, okay, bye. How, how great what is tomorrow's reaction there? Mm-hmm. Just staring at it. Being like He can't quite believe that that just happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved it so much. Um, what did you think about the assault on the train, Will? Oh, like you said, it was just so well done. Uh, so well shot, well executed, just great. Uh, you know, great. What'd you think, Brittany? I thought it was good. I think that definitely makes the, the solo heist train look like shit, but yeah. I, I really liked it. I thought it was fun. I love the Tuscan chief. I, 
I really like seeing him in action and I love seeing them on the bikes and everything like Tamora or Boba's a really good teacher, you know, Mm -hmm. like I am not sure like how long that they were training, you know, their little montage scene. I don't know how long that went for, but they caught on pretty quick because they were, you know, impressive riding and jumping, you know, onto the train too. And I I love that little guy just throwing himself out the window (laughs) and then just like being like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else now. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really good. It, it was, was really the, good. The CGI looked looked fine. It's yeah. really hard to do a CGI train, but I think they did good. You know, years ago when when the possibility of a Star Wars TV show would be bandied about before they even announced something, I, my biggest like thing I was worried about was like, how do you do that and not make it look bad? You know. Even sci-fi shows that I like would have really bad CG in them occasionally. So I was a little worried about that. So the fact that we're getting CG stuff of the quality that we are, I'm totally fine with. Like, it's way better than I imagined it could be just a few years ago. Emily, what would you think of the train heist? Well, not even really a heist. I mean, it was fun. It was There was some really cool action Um I, I at first I was like, are they really are they really doing another train heist already? That seems that seems weird. But then it, this scene actually started, and I didn't care anymore because it was so much fun. And then when it ends, and it's the what are they called? The Pike Syndicate. The Pikes. Is that what yep. they called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was cool, and his whole his whole speech to them was awesome. I I really liked that they worked the Pikes in. You know, the Pikes were going to be a fairly big part from what I understand of star Wars underworld, which was George Lucas's live action TV show. He was working on that. He sort of shelved when he figured out he couldn't really make it the way he wanted. Right. And so to see them show up in live action, star Wars TV, especially a show that's dealing with sort of the underworld elements. I was (coughs) like, Oh, right on. Like that's that's cool. I hope Uncle George sees that and is like, well, glad to see those motherfuckers show up, I guess. Um, and I thought their design was really cool. You know, that's a char- That's something we saw first in Clone Wars. Then we saw yeah. one of them in Solo, and now we've gotten them a, a third time. And I actually think I prefer this design for the Pikes as opposed to the one we saw in Solo. Yeah, I like this one. <laughs> um, I love boba's scene where he's sitting down negotiating with the pikes basically and he's they're like he's like are you guys transporting spice and the guy's like what spice what spice and he's like, <laughs> and then they drop the crate and he go, what's it look like and then they drop the crate and boba's like oh <laughs> looks a lot uh, like that. that um and i like like i think it's also really neat that we're we're getting a look at like how boba will approach running a crime empire or, or whatever in the present day. I think that is sort of foreshadowing in the flashback, how he deals with the pikes there. Now his alignment certainly leans towards justice these days. I don't know if that was always the case. I don't know if that's a post Sarlacc thing. I don't know if these visions have anything to do with it, but he's certainly on the side of justice, of fairness and equity. Yeah. And, and I love that his whole thing is like, this isn't your territory. This is theirs. They have ancestral yeah. claim to this. 
you guys are not coming through here anymore. We're gonna, yeah. we're not gonna kill you. You guys can leave. We're gonna make it as easy as possible for you guys to get back and get the hell out of here. We're gonna protect you. We're gonna give you some black melons so you can drink of their milk. Gross. And <clears throat> that'll be that. It wasn't even. Yeah, it wasn't even negotiations. It was a dictation of terms. Yeah. Like. Yeah, because. That was a lot of dudes on that train, and y'all just got punked by like Boba Fett and five Tuscan Raiders or something. So yeah, I don't think you guys are in the position to, to negotiate. Um, Get to walking. One of my favorite lines in the whole show was when the Tuscan chieftain, and it's just because it set my imagination on fire. Is He's explaining to him, like, you know, off-worlders have machines, and Boba's like, you guys have machines. And he explains that, you know, some Tuscan tribes use violence to protect their claim. And they, since the oceans dried up, have remained hidden, that particular tribe. And that one line about the oceans on Tatooine drying up, fascinates me i can't stop thinking about it i thought about tweeting at pablo hildago today about it but i don't want to bother that dude man <laughs> like he's too busy with fucking psychos accusing him of ruining star wars like he has that much control over it. but i mean isn't that what twitter exists for is to bother celebrities at your leisure well no <laughs> but that's how a lot of people use it and that's part of the problem um but yeah, I love that line. Um, before we move on for this episode, do you guys want to hear? I have a theory. Oh man, hit me. I love theories. I think there's only two ways this relationship with the the Tuscans mm -hmm. goes. The bummer way or the cool way. The bummer way is I think it's possible the Pikes show back up not so wipe happy and wipe them out. And that is part of Boba's inspiration for getting involved in the underworld. No, Boba's got to unite the sand people. It'll be like his mercenary army and they have to come and fight in the big battle of Mandalore. Well, I don't know about that necessarily the big battle of Mandalore, but my other, the other way I could see it going is there's a Tuscan run in towards the end of the series when Boba is really got his back against the wall. They come in and save the day. You know? Right. Um, that's the, I don't see how it goes. I don't see it just being like Boba being like, all right, guys, I'll see you later. And then just leaves them. And we never see the Tuscans again. We're spending too much time with them. <clears throat> so I think, um, I kind of see, think it'll go one of those two ways. If I had to guess, I got my money on Tuscan army. It's too, I feel like it's maybe too much of a bummer for this show if they get wiped out and that's what sets him on his path. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. It's quite the motivator. But you know what? As soon as I see something that I like in Star Wars, my first mind, my first thought is like, oh, they're going to take this away from me. <laughs> so that's where that comes from. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we move on to do uh, voicemails and whatnot, do you guys have any um, sort of final thoughts on this episode? Emily, you start. Um. Again, I just can't 
get over how cool that last five minutes was. And also that gaffy stick he makes is so gorgeous. I need somebody to make that right away. I'm willing to spend several hundred dollars on that because it's awesome and beautiful and I want one. Yeah, I, they have to eventually, I think, right? I mean, even I, yeah. even like a Black Series one would be cool. Um, although I would probably be more inclined to get like maybe a sideshow or something like that, you know? Uh, Brittany, what about you? Any final thoughts? Oh, man, just keep this good shit coming. And <laughs> I want more dream sequences, but also like... I wonder if any time either like in between, you know, his little past self things or like in the future that he goes back to Camino because he keeps having these like Camino mm -hmm. dreams. Like when he was having the fever lizard dream, you see water. Then you see that flashback scene of him watching the slave one go. And I... I would like him to go back to Tatooine, even though I don't think, I mean, he grew up there. I mean, I, I would think that he has some sort of, you know, that is technically like home to him, but I don't know. Yeah. And if he hasn't been back since sort of the clone wars era, he's in for a nasty surprise when he gets there. Cause Tatooine or Tatooine Camino gets pretty <laughs> devastated and bad batch. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know if the Camino flashback stuff is meant to sort of like telegraph him going back at some point or if it's sort of meant to like call back Django in a way and sort of his connection to Django and the fact where you've been and where you're going. Because remember when he shows up in Mandalorian season two, he's like, hey, man, that that armor is my dad's. It's clearly important to him that because it's his dad's armor, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I wonder if that's just sort of more connecting and also sort of reminding the audience that like, yo, this this guy's dad was Django Fett. You guys remember that from that movie? <laughs> you guys remember? Um, but I think a return, they, they've put an awful lot of work into showing us Camino a couple of times. So yeah, like too much work. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we did see a return. <laughs> what about you, Will? Final thoughts. Oh, just like, you know, like, like Brittany said, give me more. Give me more. Keep going. Don't stop. This is good. I love it. Yes. Yes, indeedy. Um, can't wait to see where it goes from here. Uh, couldn't be happier. One of my favorite th Star Wars things ever was episode two book of the book of Boba Fett. And uh, boy, I'm excited. You guys want to do some voicemails with us before we let you go? Yes. Okay. Let me uh, get that going. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cock head. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kitty Cockhead. To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty Cockhead. What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be pumping spoon. 
Hey, if you would like to send in a voicemail or an email, it's easy enough. Just send it in to blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to get to as many of these as possible. Um, There's a lot. You guys are just as excited as we are. So let me see what I can't uh, get taken care of. Let's start off with our buddy, King Tom, Tom Chansky. Hey there, Hawes, Will, and Brito, and Lindo. The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, even better than last week. <laughs> this week I thought was incredible. Yeah, there were a few small issues, but overall, uh, just both sides of the story were fantastic. I got two um, questions for you. First, how long do you think we're going to be getting the flashbacks for? Or, or, or will they continue to take up a majority of each episode? You know, do you think we'll get them through to the last episode? And do you think they'll still take up as much space as they take up now, or as they start telling more of the present story, will that story take the forefront? Because um, I really can't see, you know, other than someone pointing out where Cobb Vanth is and that Cobb has his armor, I really can't see what else they have to tell. But, you know, sometimes I don't know these things. My other question, Hawes, in your uh, Patreon reaction show, you mentioned how um, they're building up to something with the end of the flashbacks with the Tuscan Raiders. I was thinking, I heard that, but I was also thinking, what if they're going to bring back the Tuscans in the current timeline? As in, you know, right now it looks like it's just Boba, Fennec, two droids, and two Gamorreans. Um, What if they use the Tuscans as his enforcers, as his army? Or, I mean, I I really hope they don't make the Tuscan that group of Tuscans is enemies, but, but what if they make the Tuscans, you know, he brings them in and he says, look, you're sharing this, this city with them. Um, just an idea. And I like that a lot better than, you know, than making his friends his enemies. Curious to see your thoughts on that. Uh, but anyway, uh, keep, keep on the great podcast. Thanks for everything you do. And I'll talk to you guys later. It would not be a King Tom uh, voicemail if he didn't predict something we already talked about. He has got right. a knack for that shit, man. It's, it's. I'm telling you, he is a modern day Nostra Thomas. Um, oh, he knows any, you. Anyways, um, as far as the flashbacks are concerned, I'll be interested to see, hear what you guys think. I kind of feel like there will there will be more flashbacks. There are things left to cover. For instance, him finding Finnick and uh, rehabilitating her. Uh, like he mentioned, figuring out that Cobb Vanth has his armor and getting his ship back. I think you got to cover at least those in flashbacks. I, however, I think this episode will probably be the longest and most involved of the flashbacks going forward. Because this is like 80% of the episode or something. I don't know that we'll get another episode that is that dominated by flashbacks. I could be wrong. But I think as the show goes on and gets t- towards the end of it, I think we will transition to more of it being uh, present day stuff. What do you think, Will? Yeah, I was going to say, I think we'll see flashbacks as long as they're relevant. 
to telling background story. And I know that seems like a smart ass answer, but uh, it, you know, eventually I think we will be caught up to the present. You know, I don't think the flashbacks will stay. You know, I don't think we'll get Boba Fett background continuously. Yeah. I think we'll, there will be a point where we catch up and it's no longer needed. Un- unless at some point you want to tell, you know, why something in the present is relevant. What do you think, Brittany? Yeah, I definitely think that we're going to get more flashbacks and scenes. But yeah, I feel like the next couple episodes are going to be like shorter and shorter than it's going to bring us to the present. But I don't know. I like them. And I feel like these new Star Wars shows are going to uh, start doing like I feel like flashbacks are going to be a thing now and that we're just going to get them, you know, because we got them in. Um, God, we've been getting them since uh, The Last Jedi. So Rogue I, I think one, that's really. Yeah, Rogue One. Yeah, There's that, a short that's a point. Little one there where she remembers seeing like Krennic and all them enjoying old fashions on Coruscant or whatever. <laughs> I'd like to be in that fever dream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in that uh, fever dream a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man! What do you think, Emily? No, I think I think sort of in line with what you all said. I. I think like maybe by the last episode, we're not seeing flashbacks anymore. And I think this episode is probably, I don't think we're going to see an episode that has longer flashbacks than this. No. But like, like you said, we still have, we still have stuff with, with Fennec that we're going to see and with getting his ship back. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think, I mean, it'd almost be weird to have, you know, an episode that was almost all flashback and then never do a flashback again. Right. And obviously, like, we're going to see whatever it is that happens to the, the Tuscans that he leaves them behind. So, yeah, we'll still see some and it'll be slowly phased out. I think so, too. Um, all right, you guys, uh, we're going to go on to a voicemail from our buddy Rick. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey, Ozzy Oz and Will, Emily, and the Velveteen Redhead. Cool. Brit, my friends, how are all of you? Um, holy shit. Book of Boba Fett, episode two, was uh, some of the best Star Wars things I've seen enter my eyeballs in a long time. I haven't felt that way after seeing something Star Wars. And I, I don't know. that This episode made me feel a special kind of fucking way. And it was great. Uh, there's so much, but... I don't really want to get into specifics for this episode. I have a different kind of question for you guys. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed. I'm sure you probably have. But if you look at some of the older pictures of Boba Fett, specifically around, like, Empire Strikes Back time on his costume, um, somebody shot him in the dick. There's a blaster (laughs) mark right on his codpiece. And uh, my question is, who do you think did that? I don't care if you get wild with speculation because I know it's not canon or at least there's no canon answer yet. But who had the balls to shoot Boba Fett in the dick? And do you think that person lived? Because I'm assuming they probably didn't. So I'm going to leave you guys with that. I'm going to probably watch this episode another 20 or 30 times because it was fucking awesome. And I will talk with all of you very soon. May the force be with you. Will, who do you think shot Boba in the dick? Who was the bounty hunter lady that um, Han Solo's mentor killed? 
Aura Singh. Aura Singh. Aura Singh. Well, Aura right. Singh. All right. She seemed like somebody that would shoot you in the cod piece. <laughs> what about you, Emily? Who do you think shot Boba in the dick? I think maybe it was our buddy Han Solo, and that's why that's why they have a history. <laughs> Ooh, that's better than anything I could have ever thought of. <laughs> uh, Brittany, what you think? Oh, maybe it was our big boy Wookiee bounty hunter. Oh, black unpronounceable second name, Chris Santan, <laughs> Chris Santan, whatever Ball it shoot is. bastard. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe that's why he gave Boba that look. Like you Stank know what guy. happened last time. You were in the Shoot hospital. You in the dick again. <laughs> that's why Boba. Pew, pew. Maybe that's why Boba needs the Bacta so much. You know what I mean? He's got a ruptured nut. Um, <laughs> better about a ruptured nut versus star wars cancer though no that seems like something bacta could take care of you know um you know what i'm gonna say i'm gonna come up with a a backstory is that there was a rich guy in the galaxy he wanted to be a bounty hunter um and he paid people off to get his license he didn't earn it and then he came across uh, Boba Fett. They were both going after a bounty and he shot Boba Fett in the dick. Boba Fett then disintegrates that guy, thereby making the no disintegrations legend for Boba Fett. And years later, that guy's son, who has his inheritance, is is like a rich (laughs) daddy's boy, decides he wants to become a bounty hunter but he can't even get far enough along because he wants revenge against Boba Fett. Can't even get far enough along in the process to actually face off against Boba. He dies way before. Yes, I'm saying Toro Calican's dad shot Boba in the dick. Very oh good. Man. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. All right. Uh, next up, let's hear from <laughs> let's hear from Jim. Good evening, Halls and Will, and the ladies of the Cantobite Dispatch. I uh, that episode, wow, amazing! I could go on and on about it, but I just want to put a, a question out there for you all, um, and it's about your feelings when you decide to watch one of these great Star Wars movies uh, when you think about oh, at least when I do when I think about one uh, a certain scene or two will pop into my head and that will sort of start an internal struggle of which one to watch like my example would be uh, I'll think oh Attack of the Clones should I check that one out and I'll think of the the arena scene and I'll just, uh, I don't know if I want to watch it. And then I'll think, ooh, Obi-Wan in in the rain fighting Django. Maybe I should watch it, you know. So I, I just, I wanted to know, you gentlemen and you ladies, uh, what are some of the feelings that you, you've, y'all have when uh, considering these, these are excellent films? All right, well, ignite the green. I'll tell you what, anytime I think about this episode, I'm going to think of that little fucking lizard jumping in Boba's head and Boba being like, I'm sorry, uh, I think I swallowed it and being like all confused and stuff and like nailing the acting of that, by the way, 
nailing yeah. it. Um, that'll be the thing I think of when I think of this episode that'll make me watch this episode. Um, but for other stuff, you know, it's it's kind of weird. It changes. Like sometimes if I want to watch Empire Strikes Back, it's kind of because I just want to see Puppet Yoda. Like that'll be a big one for me where I'm like, ooh. That's good. I could really go f- for seeing uh, Frank Oz and Pope, Puppet Yoda do their thing. You know, um, with like the Phantom Menace, obviously the big lightsaber battle at the end is a big one. The big um, pod race is fun for me. The big pod race is fun, but I'm going to be 100% honest. The extra pod race that they added in subsequent years to link, they made it even longer. Maybe a little too much. Oh, no. Maybe a little too much. I've seen one of those. Um, You know, Return of the Jedi, you know, I kind of want, like, the thing that always, like, if I'm thinking about watching Return of the Jedi, it's like the first 20, 30 minutes that immediately makes me want to watch it. You know, Jabba's Palace to mm-hmm. them leaving Tatooine. Like, that is pure money for me. What about you, Brittany? What about you? Oh, my God. that I, I totally forgot the question because it was just, I was just thinking of all these, like, Star Wars scenes. What was the question again? I feel so terrible. So, so Jim was basically asking, like, was telling us, like, you know, sometimes when he's thinking about watching a Star Wars movie and considering which one to watch, like, he'll be like, thinking of specific moments. That There's a scene that triggers his desire to, to see watch. A yeah, is there ever movie? a specific Star Wars scene that then triggers you wanting to watch that specific movie? Oh, God. Well, my go-to Star Wars movie to watch is always The Phantom Menace. So I always just either think of, like, you know, that first, like, Naboo scene where you see, you know, Padme looking over the the city, you know, being invaded by the Confederacy. Then, you know, you go to the, the duel between Maul and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Like, I... That's always my go-to Star Wars movie, whatever I feel like. But God, I can't remember the last time where I was like sitting down and thinking about Star Wars and being like, I really want to watch a Star Wars. <laughs> Hawes had a phase where he went through and he would talk like Jar Jar Binks. Oh, no. And they would Don't be like Phantom Menace quotes, Jar Jar Binks quotes. And it would make me want to watch the Phantom Menace just to, just to <laughs> put the puzzle pieces in the Jar Jar Binks quote. Because they were classic, you know. It would be like I spug. Um, they were good. Those would those would make me want to watch the Phantom Menace. Um, Emily, do you have a do you have an answer for this one? Yeah, I mean, there's sometimes like uh, I'll be like, ooh, I wanna I wanna go back and watch the like. Tarkin and Leia snarking at each other, mm-hmm. or or sometimes I'll think like, "Ooh, I want to watch Force Awakens" because I love BB-8 and all those fun things. But then I'm like, "Do I really? Do I want to watch Han Solo die again? No, I do not." <laughs> and so sometimes I just decide not to rewatch that movie because it'll make me very sad. It's soul crushing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, sometimes it's performance based for me too. Like you mentioned with uh, Tarkin and Leia, sometimes I'll want to see you know specific actors do their things and stuff too it's weird i also have this thing where like i won't watch a star wars movie for a a, quite a while and then i'll just get it in my head where i'm like okay it's time to do the full watch through and i'll watch the phantom menace 
and I'll watch Attack of the Clones, you know, watching those two take up a good bit of my work day while I'm working. And then the next day I'm like, you know what I haven't watched in a little while? Anime. And I won't follow up with episode three. And then a couple weeks later, I'll be like, I never finished my Star Wars watch through. So I'll watch Phantom Menace. And then I'll watch Attack <laughs> of the Clones because I can't just pick back up with Revenge of the Sith. And it's just this <laughs> fucked up cycle. I'm like that with albums, actually. Like mm-hmm. I, I go on runs every day on my work breaks and um, I can't shuffle music. Like I have to listen to albums I like all the way through. 100% the same way and it drives Jesse crazy because she is a <laughs> pro like I just want to listen to all of my liked songs on a shuffle and I'll skip ones I don't want to hear right now. I'm an album person. So she's like, I don't get it. How do you just sit there and listen to a whole album? And I go, oh, I don't know, man. I just really like the band. And there are certain albums that, you know, you have to listen to the whole thing top to bottom. Yeah. Like. To get the whole experience. Chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. Next up, we have an email from. Any example you could have given. (laughs) Any example. That is what we go with. Here's an email from our buddy Sam. Howdy Halls. Introducing Sam. (laughs) Wow, what a week. I'm sure you both enjoyed the episode, and I can't wait to see what the next six weeks have in store for us. When watching this week's episode, I was wondering, do you think we'll ever see Jawas or Tuscans without their masks on? Do we want to see what's under those head wrappings? Anyway... Thanks for a great show and keep up the awesome work in the new year. Best wishes, Sam. Mm, I don't think so. Because I, I'm trying, I have this vague memory of maybe in a Dark Horse comic, they showed Tuscans without their head wrappings. But I just kind of assumed they were like just people. Crucial. I just assumed they were alien and that those apparatuses were how they breathed in the desert. Now, that's an assumption from like a kid. You know, hmm, that is a good question. I do kind if of If they're beings like... that lived on the planet when there were oceans, maybe, maybe they need water. Maybe those suits are oh, all water. Um, and I just kind of always assumed that Jawas looked kind of like um, Stuart Little, like rat people or mice people for some reason. I just always imagine them to be sort of like rodent-like under those robes. But they're probably lizards because that's what Star Wars likes to do. It likes to take anything that like, they're like, okay, on Earth we have big old fluffy dogs and they're fun to pet. But in Star Wars, they're lizard dogs. Lizard dogs, you guys. And they're called, Emily Drunk asked me this this week and I was both delighted and ashamed that I immediately knew the answer. Those Tuscan dogs are called massives, not mastiffs, like massives. on not like a you know the human or the Earth equivalent of a dog breed. They're called massives. Thanks, Uncle Jordan. <laughs> Thanks for that, buddy. <laughs> mm. Um, what do you think, uh, Emily? What do you think? Do you think we'll ever see Tuscans or Jawas under their mask? I think, you know, if we're ever going to see Tuscans under their mask, it'll be on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I 
I don't particularly want to. Tuscans I'd be okay with, but for some reason the idea of seeing a Jawa is like I have a strong aversion to that. I never want to know what the Jawas look like under their ropes. I, I, I might just, cover I like, my eyes. Like, I, like think, coming on my... yeah, I like to think that they actually don't have any features, that they are just black voids with red eyes. It's hmm. interesting what you think, Brittany. Yeah, I think the same thing. I mean, like, I feel like like seeing them without the mask is like, you know, like like seeing your friends naked. Like, I don't think you want to see that, you know, mm-hmm. like I I I'm OK with what I'm seeing. And I don't know, like I, I definitely think a couple of times while watching the show, I think of the Tuscan Raiders and I think like, I wonder what they look like under the mask. But I think I'm just <laughs> being I think I'm being like too curious, you know, because like sometimes like, you know, the brain, like you get too curious about things. And, you know, like I don't want to get too curious about that because like maybe that's just like what they look like. And I need to accept that. Also, then, it's okay. This is something Star Wars does. It's okay to just let people wonder things. You don't yeah, need to answer right. every single question. Right. That's right. Part of the mystery is not knowing. That's true. You wonder what they look like under the mask, and then they make that or or dolphin noise, and you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm good. I don't really. <laughs> know More of a oh. Doctor Who thing. Let's just keep it how it is. Um. All right. Let's. We'll do a couple more before we call it an evening. Um. Let's hear from Intercontinental Tom. Hey, Hosmil, this is Tom in Sweden. As a great man once said, she. <laughs> that's an inner. That's an intercontinental sheesh right there. There's only <laughs> one answer to an inner. <laughs> what an episode! Absolute banger. Loved it. Um. I mean, there's almost too much to talk about. The twins, the mayor was awesome. That was a very likable Ithorian, I have to say. Um, Here's a question for you. That rat in the Rancor pit, was that a direct reference to uh, the rat that you could see molded in the the detritus in the bottom of the uh, original Kenner Jabba the Hutt set? Uh, if it was, that was that was some good stuff. Um, it, you know what? Like that that whole Tuscan part, it just had feeling. It had emotion and it had uh, depth to it. I just loved it. I love seeing the pikes. I love that. You know. So one little issue for me has always uh, with the return of Boba Fett has always been that I loved the Boba Fett we got in that episode of the mandalorian but he, he didn't feel like the same character to me as the the one we got to know in the original trilogy i felt like uh, the ot boba fett was very cold and efficient and that uh, this kind of like uh furious warrior version of boba fett it, it was awesome but didn't necessarily feel like the same character um, and I loved, I loved this new version enough to just let it go. But guess what? We are seeing how he got there. We are seeing how he changed. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can't really. There's too much cool stuff to talk about. So I'll just uh, say I love that uh, warrior Tuscan that's teaching him how to fight. She has, you know, some people just have, like, their body language down. Then they, they move in a way that is just cool. She's that. Uh, so she's a new favorite for me. Um, loved seeing him get the robes and the gaffy stick in the end. Yeah, I don't know. I can't really uh, too much. As I said, too much to to uh, 
to talk about, really. Um, cannot wait for the rest. Um, it's going to be amazing to see. All right. This is Intercontinental Tom signing off. Thanks, Tom. Uh, I never considered that that rat, which I was surprised kind of just looks like an earth rat that was in that, uh, in the, the Rancor pit. Never considered that that might be a reference to the Kenner toy, but now I'm going to say that that's exactly what it was. Probably absolutely is. Um, all right, let's hear from Josh. Hello there, Haas and Will. This is your internet pal, Josh Wright. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, wow, what a great uh, second episode for the Book of Boba Fett. I don't think anybody's going to complain about that episode being too boring. Um, there are lots of great moments. One of my favorite bits of dialogue was when Boba and Fennec are uh, uh, interrogating the ninja. And Fennec says something like, well, you're just paying for the name when you hire that guild. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, good good bit of dialogue writing by our, our old pal John uh, Favreau here. Um, so I did have a question. So um, <clears throat> maybe the most memorable extended sequence was where uh, Boba Fett um, was getting slizzard on that lizard. Uh, hanging out with the Tuscans. So my question for you guys is, do you think that is just a psychedelic lizard? Or do you think the lizard um, is somehow connected to the force? And that's really more of a force vision rather than kind of a midnight desert trip. Um, what do you guys think about that? Um, interested to know what you think. I also have a proposal that the Tuscan chieftain from here on out be no longer called the Tuscan chieftain, but be referred to as the lizard wizard. What do you guys think? <laughs> um, anyway, uh, hope you guys are doing well. Keep on keeping it clean and may the force be with you. I got to say the lizard wizard. Uh, I like that. That's so good. I think, all right, you know how some people lick toads? You know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? You ever heard of... Mm -hmm. Come on, guys. Don't leave me hanging here. People yes. lick toads to have a... Brittany may not know about licking toads, but... This man, on. toads. Um, oh, I can't hear you, Brittany. Are you okay? Brittany, Brittany's muted. She's muted. Oh. You know that fear, like, in work meetings when... Or I always have this fear when I'm in work meetings where, like, I'm saying something and then they're like, Brittany, you're muted. Like, this just happened to me right now. So oh, it's I, not a big I deal. Apologize. Don't I, apologize. I failed the interview. <laughs> no, you didn't. Stop it. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, I think it's a combination. So I think... Because remember, the Tuscan also, like, throws some powder in his face, too. So yeah. I think it's a combination of the powder, and I think that lizard secretes something. That I was going to say, I'd say it's 50-50. Yeah, a it's little 50 bit of 50-50. Little, little bit of psychedelia, a little bit of the force. Uh, what do you guys think, Brittany? What do you think about how... What's the process? What's the, the physical process by which a lizard going in your sinus cavity causes what happens? 
I don't think it's anything related to the Force because he literally comes back with a stick. Yeah. You know, I don't remember Luke going into the cave and coming out with anything other than this weird feeling of, like, why the fuck did I see my face in Vader's helmet? You know, like, he actually came out with something. Like, he came out with a stick. Like, and then I think that he did go to, like, this, like, psychedelic mm-hmm. forest and, like, maybe it was real. But, like, it, I don't think it's the Force. Like, I, I think it's something else. It's something possibly greater or, like, the in-between. So I'm not sure, but I don't think it's a force. Like, I don't think that we need like the force and everything. Like, I know that it binds us and all the shit that Yoda says, but I don't think we need that here. Maybe you guys remember in the EU books, they had those lizards that blocked out the force. The salami. Yeah, the salamis or whatever they were called. The salami (laughs) lizards. I think that's what this, that little guy was. So I think he literally cut Boba off from the force so he could have this psychedelic. I just wanted to work those salami lizards in. Emily, do you have anything? Do you have any theories on how it works? You know, it's weird to think because this is Star Wars and you think it would have occurred. I I never even crossed my mind that it was force. I'm just like, oh, it's drugs. Yep. Totally. Also, every time we've been talking about it, I I, take the urge to rub my nose uncomfortably. I've already seen someone on Twitter today post like, you know, those like when you're looking through an anatomy book where it'll show like someone from profile and you can see like, you know, it's got like where it shows you where their brain is and their sinus cavity. Someone has already drawn Boba Fett with like that in profile with the lizard in his sinus cavity. And immediately I was like, oh, that hurts. It hurts. (laughs) <laughs> you know, what he what he is first having the vision and before he comes back and and the lizard comes back out again, I was I was just thinking like, so is, is Boba just walking around with a lizard in his brain? Because yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, I hope he still has that lizard. Oh my gosh. Oh my It's gosh. his friend. <laughs> like I thought it was permanent somehow. I don't know yep. why I thought that. I just did. I'm like, oh, he just has a lizard in his head now. How cool is that? I like to imagine that like, you know. Because it, it's clear that that Tuscan tribe isn't huge, so they probably don't have to do that ceremony that often. That poor little kid, by the way, is going to ha- take a lizard to the brain before too long. And I just like imagine on a slow day, the Tuscan chieftain like looks left and right to see if anybody's watching. And he opens up that little lizard cage. He's ready to roll, buddy. He like he might even <laughs> he might even get on his Star Wars version of Halo for the night and have fun with the other Tuscans. They, they wash it between uses, right? Of course. they get, Well, I don't know. You wish. Well, maybe there's <laughs> more lizards. Like, is there just one? Like, there there might be several lizards, so they can do, like, I mean, multiple when, people at once. When you're the important booger lizard, they're probably one. <laughs> I, that lizard, you know how at the end of Mandalorian Season 2, the big reveal was the Book of Boba Fett? Booger lizard coming 2023 that's what it's gonna be the book of booger lizard um all right we're gonna do one more voicemail then call it a night this is from andy hey Haas and will this is andy from ontario canada and holy fuck that second episode of book of boba fett <laughs> amazing i i don't know that first episode thought it was pretty good pretty good but this one whoo man like yeah seeing the twins come his interaction with the mayor was awesome. Uh, that Wookiee, that, like, what did they call him? Uh, 
Gladiator, Wookie, man, so cool. All the, all the Tusken Raider stuff was awesome too. Just that was it. Like that's oh, blew me away. Blew me away. I don't I don't have anything uh, too interesting. <laughs> like no, you know what would you do if or what would you change? like nothing like that. But I just wanted to say, fuck, that was so good. I loved it. Can't wait for more. And uh, I know you guys are pumped. So. Have a good one. All the best. Keep it clean and ignite oh, the green. Take it easy, guys. You know he keeps it clean. You know. You know I'll keep it clean. Uh, you know <laughs> I think that's a perfect uh, voicemail to end it on because it kind of sums up what I feel like most of our feelings are about this episode. I love that voicemail. Me too. I love to hear that. Um, so, before we let you guys go, thank you so much, Emily and Absolutely. Brittany, for... Uh, taking the time to show up on the show. It's been too long. We love you guys. To be here, yeah. Oh, we love you too. This is such a fun little trip to go on, you know, talking about booger lizards and like, <laughs> it's so fun. I love you guys. There's nobody I would want more to talk about Boba Tide with. Uh, hey, Aww. we appreciate that. So before we let you go, why don't you give everybody the information they need to locate you and your show online? Uh, yeah. Take it away. Uh, yeah, so we do a podcast together called The Cantabite Dispatch, like Hawes intimated at the beginning. It is a Star Wars-ish podcast, but now we're in yeah. Apple we'll talk, we'll be talking a little bit about Boba Fett because it's great. Uh, and yeah, so, you know, whenever you find your podcasts, and that includes Spotify and Google and all those places. Also, you can find us on Twitter at CantobitePod, and you can find me personally on Twitter at EFLind. Brittany, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter as CantoBrit and Instagram as CantoBrit. And then you can also find the podcast sometimes on Instagram at CantoBitePod. Which one of you guys do the uh, uh, episodes out of context post for on on Instagram? Which one of you guys puts those That's together? That's Brittany. Oh, yeah, you know, that's me. <laughs> you do a really good job with it. That's why I was oh, asking. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm really bad. Emily does so much work for the podcast, and I, I'm i so fucking lazy. Like, I started doing that out of, like, not spite in the beginning, but I think it was because, like, fucking Chris Fresh kept, like, mentioning, like, oh, no one updates the Instagram. And I'm thinking, like, we only have, like, 50 fucking followers. Like, I, then I'm like, okay, fine. I'm just going to post something. And then I started doing the out of context. And it is fun to do oh, that dude. because you think about. I just got a message that says, hey, Britt, oh, tell God, your sister I said hello. <laughs> Weird. Hmm. You know, I I specifically, like, told, you know, I was I was talking to Chris Fresh on Christmas Day. On, on his Christmas day, being like, you know, Merry Christmas, you know, I, I I hope, you know, like me, you know, handing the torch over to Chris Fresh, you know, because I'm a nice fucking person. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to fight Chris Fresh on the holiday that is dedicated to Chris, Chris Fresh Christmas. But now it is a new year. Uh oh. You know. <laughs> gloves come off. The gloves are coming off. The feud is on fire like that fire song they talk about on their podcast <laughs> no the answer is no i will not tell my sister that you say hi 
Well, guys, uh, you should definitely check out the Canto Bite Dispatch. It is delightful. And uh, if you want to support this goofy little show, check us out on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. I've been posting immediate reactions to the Book of Boba Fett episodes. We've picked up some new patrons over the past couple of weeks. I just wanted to give you guys a shout out. Welcome aboard. It's nice to see you. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you haven't already. Check out Stoned Cobra, who were kind enough to provide our theme music. And I want to give a special shout-out to our good buddy, Evan DeCellis, for absolutely murdering our new cover art. I couldn't Incredible. be more happy with it. It is Incredible. gorgeous. And guys, Beautiful. we'll see you next week. Our special guest for next week is Josh Chapman from the Star Wars Spelt Out podcast. And I can't wait. Thanks for everything. Until then, it's been awesome. We're Blue Harvest. I'm Halls Burkhart. I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.